Michael Myers is a human being who killed his sister when he was six years old. Happy April, everybody. It's been two weeks or so uh, since the last Throwback Thursday, and today we are going to go back in time and uh, revisit part one of two from the HMMAT podcast with uh, uh, Paul Daniels, and um, that one got a lot of really positive reviews, and uh, way back when we did it, well over a year ago. Um, on the previous podcast, and uh, Paul was a, just a, an exceptional interview. He's been a friend of mine for a very long time. I uh, was very honored to have him on the show. So we're going to be uh, kicking to that episode in just a moment. I uh, just wanted to take a quick moment to let everybody know that uh, merchandise is over at tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash chrism1229. Uh, Ryan Hogel just did a review on the uh, 18 by 24 inch uh, poster um, from uh, like a recreation uh, of the Halloween 6 cover art, but he did it up with the raining red and uh, the Halloween Unleashed uh, logo. And uh, he posted the video in the group of his uh, response of what he thought about it. And uh, he's highly impressed. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, that we're supporting the show. Um, again, new episodes every two weeks. The very next episode, uh, just so I don't get a, a ton of messages about it, about what the game plan is. Yes, we're going to be doing the entire Halloween series of movie of movie mistakes and Easter eggs. So the next up will be Halloween 3. We're going in chronological order. Uh, Halloween's 1 through, I guess it would be 11 at this point. Um, yeah, because there's 11 films in the franchise. So, you know, we're going to be coming up on Halloween 3, and then we'll have uh, 8 more episodes after that. Um, you know, I, I, I may omit H4O. I may, but... Uh, just because we've talked so much about it in the last six months that, uh, and it's fresher than everything else. So, I mean, that's going to be par for the course, but, uh, I don't know what else to say about that, about that movie that it hasn't already been said, um, by myself and by countless other people out there. So I don't know, uh, maybe something that we, uh, explore in a different way. Uh, instead of just regurgitating the same shit over and over and over again. Uh, but most importantly, uh, we're going to be doing, especially all the way up through 
uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Uh, can't wait to get to those, actually, because those are going to be fun to pick apart. Um, but uh, had exceptional, exceptional, exceptional numbers on Halloween 1978. Um, I'll say that Halloween 2's numbers aren't doing well. Um, you know, we saw a surge in uh, numbers when we started doing very particular type episodes, and then, you know, it kind of, uh, the popularity kind of waned a little bit. So, um, I don't know, you know, maybe it might be something that we do Halloween 3, and if Halloween 3 bounces back, uh, we continue. Or we may take a few weeks off, do something else, uh, and then come back. Um, I know I've said this in, a, in an early podcast, um, and I'm going to repeat it. Uh, but there seems to be a, a narrative, I'll just say that. A narrative that um, I may be mad at somebody or I'm having issues with somebody and that's why certain hosts are on over the others. No. I have said since the first, second, third, or even whatever episode that I mentioned it in, I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head which episode it's in. Maybe somebody can tell me. Um, but I don't have that information right in front of me. But... That's not important. What is important is I have said countless, 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 countless times. Did I say countless enough times? I've said it enough to where this shouldn't even be a question. I'm going to bounce around from host to host to host to host to host because this is an interactive show. There's a lot of people that want to get involved still. With the podcast, and depending upon um, what the subject matter is going to be, depending upon what um, what's going to best fit a, a particular co- guest co-host at that time, is going to dictate who I pivot to. Uh, you know, I went really strong on Brandon Zachman when we were doing uh, a lot of the mask-related stuff. In fact, I was going to bring him in early on for a lot of these Easter egg uh, movie mistake type things. Our schedules didn't line up, and that was initially that was on me. Um, then I pivoted it over to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers buddy Brandon Duran, who's been on the last two. Um, you know, just because you know it's scheduling and different things, and and you know it's something that he wanted to kind of get involved in. Um, he doesn't have the vast uh, independent collecting uh, of the masks that Brandon Zachman would have. So Brandon Zachman was a better fit for that particular type of episode. Um, I plan on having Brandon Zachman come and join me on, on a couple of these movie mistake ones whenever we can link up. Um, I also plan on pivoting back to Brandon Duran, maybe somebody else. Um or hell, maybe we'll sit down as a three-man team and uh, tackle it all together. But bottom line is, uh, I don't have issues with anybody. <laughs> it's not a popularity contest. It's not, well, now I'm mad at you, so I'm going to pivot over here. It has nothing, nothing to do with that. It's all about my availability, subject matter, 
what have you. So please, if you're one of those people that have been messaging me about how come this person hasn't been on or how come that person hasn't been on, everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Let it go. Stop reading too much into shit that doesn't need to be read into. Um, the other thing is, is I'm is before I pivot over to Throwback Thursday, um, I had a lot of people that, you know, that did listen to the episode said that uh, my tone kind of changed in the last episode. First and foremost, I was having a good time. I, I wasn't trying to be take anything personal with with anybody or anything. I was just trying to be entertaining and crack people up. You know, I mean, hell, if you're going to devote an hour, hour and a half, two hours uh, to a podcast, I mean, fuck, that's a lot of listening. You you need to be entertained. So at the end of the day, this is a show. It's an informative show, but you can be informative and, and just be entertaining at the same time. So my goal has always been to, to, to entertain and be educational. Um, there's going to be some subject matters that I'm... Um, then I'm cracking jokes a little bit more. There's gonna be times I bust Brand one of the Brandon's balls. It doesn't mean I'm mad at him or I'm pissed at him or I think that they're less than anything. It's just I'm having fun. It's my way of having fun with friends. Uh, you crack on your friends sometimes. You have a good time. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. So no, <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't bitter. I, I wasn't upset, but. You know, uh, truth be told, um, you know, I am struggling in my own mind right now. Um, I, I battle depression and, uh, I'm, I'm going through that right now. So a lot of times also when I'm trying to be entertaining, it's, it's me trying to pull myself out of this funk. I'm trying anything I can to pull myself out. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me, um, Hey, I haven't seen you post mass stuff in a while or very much. No, I, again, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm burnt out. Um, and number two, we're about to go into the hottest months of the year here in Florida. I don't want to be out in my garage all the time. I didn't want to be out in my garage very much anyway. Um, you know, I've said it multiple times. I'll say it again. I enjoy doing the masks, but I enjoy doing them when I want to do them. And if you're one of those people that's looking for a, a quick turnaround from someone that's doing this more on a permanent basis, you've picked the wrong guy. I'm not that guy anymore. Um, I ran WMP from 2009 through 2015 and closed up shop. I, I'm just not... I'm not that guy anymore. I, I don't want to be that guy anymore. If I wanted to take on gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of orders, I would have done it already. But I'm really just not interested in taking on a lot of workload. In fact, just the few that I have at the time, I don't want any more for a while. I want to get back to, and I know there's going to be some people that listen to this and say, oh, there he goes again. Believe me when I say this. I want to get to a point where if I feel like going out and painting something up, I can paint it, auction it off, I can put it out there. If I just want to make a little extra side money for whatever we're trying to do, 
I'd rather just do that. I, I'm just, you know, I've got a lot of interests in my life anymore that aren't revolving around Halloween or the mass community anymore. Um, I'm getting to, into stop motion animation with my son, uh, which is very tedious and time consuming. I'm having a good time doing it though. It's something that we're able to do together. I'm doing a lot more adventures, um, on weekends, getting out of the house and going places. You know, we're getting into the theme park age. We're getting into the age where they want to travel and explore. And my kids come first. My family comes first. So, um, my dad's health is not good. So I've been dealing with that. My, you know, my people are people that don't understand the, the love of a pet when they hear this, they're not going to get it. Uh, but my almost 15 year old Yorkshire Terrier, who I've mentioned on, uh, the HMMMAT podcast that her health was declining. Her health is really declining right now. So she uh, needs a lot more TLC these days and she's getting worse and worse and worse every day. Um, so there's a lot going on in Chris Morgan's life right now that is outside of masks and Halloween. Um, and I mean, the way I look at it is my son is going to be six this year. My daughter's going to be three. Um, and the way I look at it is they're only going to be this age for so long. I'm already looking back at, you know, some of the things that I did, uh, other than spending time with my son when he was two, three, four years old, uh, those days are over. And as a, and as a parent, for those listening, for those as a parent, you know that once that time is gone, you yearn to get some of that time back, and you can't. So I've got a lot going on um, mentally. Uh, I'm spent mentally. I, I'm battling the depression bug. Um, you know, I'm also still trying to run my full-time business, um, trying to stay up on that, trying to run a podcast, trying to do stop animation, trying to do oil paint, uh, type stuff, uh, trying to spend time with family, trying to travel, try, I mean, I got a lot of, I got a lot in the pipeline. So, um, if I'm not getting your particular conversion done as fast as you'd like, message me. I have no problem giving you back your deposit and letting you go find somebody where they might be a little bit more available and quicker turnaround for you. I don't run this as a business. I don't even do this part-time. Again, I do it as a hobby when I want to do it. If that's not good enough for you, no problem. Let's stay friends. You go out and you get things done the way you want them to get done. I don't have any particular order anymore either. They get done when they get done, you know, um, and it also, again, it, it goes, okay, what haven't I done in a while that I could really feel creative and different doing this? So I may have a batch of sevens that come up that I want to work on. Great. Next week, it may be a, a list of twos. I need to get back into the filth, so it may be that. Then it may be a list of, of ones. I need to switch around based on how I'm feeling mentally and creatively. And again, if that's not good enough for you, let me know. I'll be happy to send you 
your 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 uh, your deposit back or your blank back or I'll gladly send it to anybody you want me to send it to. I got no problems doing that. Um, so just try to understand. I'm I'm not trying to um, get on my soapbox. I'm just trying to share uh, what I'm going through personally. And uh, there's there's gonna come a day where um, where I'll never and again. My God, please don't send me messages saying, hey, I'm really sorry to hear that you're not going to make masks anymore. That's not what I'm saying. That's never coming out of my mouth. It's never being said. So get that fucking thing out of your head and don't message me that. I just need to take hiatuses and breaks and get away from it. I'm always going to have the itch to do something. You know, it just may not be in the time frame that you want. So I've got to stand back and challenge myself in other creative areas. I mean, shit. I said for uh, at, at one point last year that I needed to get away from doing the podcasts all the time and try stop trying to focus on that as much, and I needed to move over and to focus on my business, and I got probably two dozen messages that said, man, I'm really sorry to hear that you're stopping the podcast. I'm like, when the fuck did I ever say that? I never said that. Go back and re-listen to the episode. I said, I'm going to have to do them when I need, when I want to do them, when I have time to do them. So again, people hear what they want to hear, but I'm just trying to stress these points that don't add your own commentary to shit because it just makes it it's, you're you're making a mountain out of the molehill at that point. You're adding your own commentary. You're taking and slanting it to your narrative. Everybody has a narrative. Just make sure that it's a correct narrative and that's something that I said. So, anyway, I'm going to move over to Paul Daniels. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week, maybe the week after. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to try next week to link up with one of the Brandons to do Halloween 3. And then, you know, we'll try to be back in two weeks for for another Throwback Thursday. But if we don't have a brand new episode next week, it'll be the following week. Um, But we'll just see how it plays out. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this week's Throwback Thursday. And I hope... uh, that if you're it's if it's the first if you didn't get a chance to listen to Paul Daniels interviews um on the HMMAT podcast believe me you're in for a real treat he's a fun fun interview so anyway enjoy Paul and we will talk with you when we talk with you have a good one you're listening to Halloween unleashed <laughs> So what we want to do is we want to welcome Paul Daniels from Darkside Studio. Hey, Paul. Oh, we get to see Mr. Paul. Look at that. He's so handsome. I'm wearing blue tonight for you. Oh, my I... God. Look at that. I got to <laughs> sit upright. <laughs> just just push the chin forward and extend the Hold neck. On. What's that movie where they pulled it back? Oh, Beetlejuice. Yeah. They pulled all that skin back. I should get some tape. There you go. But anyway, I'm old. What's going on? Uh, man, you sound like you're in a bucket of water. 
Yeah, I'm still getting over the flu. Oh, shit. Wow. Still battling that, huh? Dude, I got, um, you know, I was sick really bad around Christmas time. Yeah. I finally got over that, and about two weeks ago, this idiot that I work with, instead of staying home, decided to show up to work with fucking the walking pneumonia. So I caught his pneumonia and had a flu at the same goddamn time, so I've been sick for about another 12 days. Finally just getting over it. Yep, it's this wonderful weather. Oh, yeah, it's brutal. Well, our our winter down here is already done. It's uh, It's been 85 degrees the last uh, week. So we had uh, five days of 20 and 30 degree weather, and that was it. Yep, that's your winter. That's it. Yeah. I hardly I, knew I you. We had 60 degree weather the uh, day before yesterday. That was... But it's it that's crazy in February you never get that so that's why everybody would be sick now. Yeah, we had that the other day too. Went from being forty degrees to sixty five out in a matter of a day. Yep, and then now back down to the twenties. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Kevin, Paul, have you guys met each other before, or is this the first time that you guys have really talked? Just emails, uh, I think. I've bought, I've bought a couple masks off Paul previously. I bought two different Emmett Kelly masks off him. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I think we've we've interacted online, you know, just uh, emails and messages and that kind of thing. So yep. you get to see my ugly face today. Oh, you're not that bad. You're no worse than me. I was, this is uh, not a good look. I was thinking about you the other day, Paul, on, on Sunday as uh, we were down on iDrive and we went into Hogan's Beach Shop. And, uh, okay. yeah, my uh, my son is a little Hulkamaniac. And uh, whenever we're wrestling around, he'll stand up and he'll point at me and he'll go, you. <laughs> yeah. No bigger Hogan fan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool to share that with him and uh, – you know, I grew up as a Hogan uh, Hogan fan starting in '85, so it's uh, I got into him through my through my uh, my older sibling, and uh, I remember watching closed circuit television Hulk versus Andre at WrestleMania three. Oh yeah, that yeah. was. We stayed at the uh, there's a theater, and they had a. Um, Closed-circuit TV, these giant screens, and we were watching it live on there. And everybody in that place blew up. Yeah. They exploded. That whole show. Yeah, because so. everybody thought that just Andre was going to wipe the floor with him, and pretty much throughout the entire match, he pretty much did. And I didn't know until years later that uh, when he went to go for that first slam that he tore every uh, muscle on the uh, on the side of his body there trying to lift him. Yep. Damn, if, if that wasn't the giant trying to uh, go stiff on him, I don't know what is. I think he was uh, he was trying to make Hogan earn it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's about what it was. <laughs> and believe me, he did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when I met him, I talked to him briefly about it, and he's like, you know, there's a point where you get him, and you get him up about here. And he said I had to kind of heave him to get him over and he was, you know, 500-pound man lifting him like that. 
And I'm like, you know, this this guy's a monster compared to me. Just and Andre made Hogan look small. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine Andre standing there looking at me. Holy shit. I know. Well, uh, Andre in 92 probably wouldn't have been, uh, you know, too much more towering because he kind of shrank over time, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was in bad shape when he died. I mean, yeah. and you know what's funny? is I, uh, I'm older now, you know, and I'm 47 now, and he was 46 when he died. It was like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. It is, but that their bodies after you know all that all the wear and tear, like Big Show is going to have a lot of problems in the next five ten years. Yeah, but so, luckily, luckily for him, he got himself in good shape. That's that's the key oh, to yeah. it. So I mean, he's uh, he's built like a brick shit house now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's got a six pack for God's sake. I know. Well, I mean, I have a six pack too, but it's in the fridge. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> you know, I don't do too bad. Yeah, no, I, I um, I've been training, but I've been battling uh, sleep apnea. I was actually uh, diagnosed with that uh, this time last month, and uh, so I'm just waiting on the insurance company at this point to approve my CPAP. But yeah. I was told, yeah. I mean, because I mean, I've been working out uh, on and off for the last year, but I really started kicking it in high gear after the first of the year. But I didn't realize until after I was diagnosed with apnea that uh, basically I'm just kind of running in place because there's nothing I can do with my metabolism right now uh, with, with apnea to shed any body fat or put on any more muscle because uh, basically when your system is taxed like that, what's the first thing your body does when it's deprived of something? It stores, right? Sure. So if if you think about it, any carb that I have, any amount of sugar that I have is like a magnetic strip to the fat cells. It just attracts it. So um, And so my body basically, since it's in survival mode because I'm uh, sleep deprived all the time, basically my body is just storing that fat and holding on to it because it's in uh, – it's in uh, – uh, yeah, I just had it. Um, yeah, I just went blank. That happens every now and then. Yeah, it happens. It happens to me all the time. Story of my life. Eat some ginkgo biloba. Yeah. You're in. You're in. Uh, you're in uh, survival mode. You're. Yes, um, that's it. Look up. Um, I I do DDP yoga. I do it quite a bit. Do you feel I, the I, bang? And I, I. Hey man, it worked. <laughs> I'm telling you, I walked around with a big gut for a long, long time. Yeah. And. Right after I started doing that, it took me about three months, and my gut went away, and I got me it got me back into power training again, because um, I couldn't lift heavy weights anymore. I tore up my back, I tore up my hips. You know, it's lifting molds for twenty some years will do it too, but um, he's got some some uh, breathing exercises on that on that on those DVDs. I'm telling you. That that whole thing changed my life. I have uh, I have breeding exercises too. It's in and out, you know. Well, you, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife doesn't like those anymore. Not at her age. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't. You know, um, it's fun to practice. Well, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
so what we want to do is we want to get to know you a little bit. Um, I know I, when I came into, and I came into one side of the hobby, which was the Myers hobby. Um, I started hearing about you in like 99, 2000. And, um, you know, when did this all start for you? Um, honestly, it all started with the, uh, it'll, we'll, we'll go back to 84. When in 84, um, my grandfather committed suicide the day before Halloween. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, he hung, he hung himself in the garage and I saw him in there, you know, we were across the street. We saw, but it became a choice of either embracing the holiday or you um, let it go and just, you know, just try to everything in your power to avoid it. And it seemed more fun. I enjoyed Halloween as a kid. So I, I embraced it and it kept my mind off of the actions of my grandfather. So, um, you know, and I started collecting a little bit of Don Post here and there. They're Freddy and they're the mask and that kind of thing when it first came out. You know, um, I didn't really collect a lot of masks. I, I hear a lot of people that t- they collect, uh, like, these vintage Don Post masks. I really didn't have much interest in. Probably, oh, early 90s, I discovered Death Studios, which you don't hear from most yeah. masks. Oh, yeah, for most mask makers, they've discovered Death Studios. And that was that was a uh, an opening, a, a door-opening thing. So um, I started ordering masks from, and I, you know, for $65, $70, you were ordering a mask, and you were getting this piece of art. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Jeff Death's, you know, that's how, how his stuff's always been. And you didn't just get a mask. You know, it wasn't like you'd spend $60 on a Don Post, and you got, like, a mask everybody else had had. This was Death Studios, and it was, like, the best paint jobs around. You know, the eyes were always the thing that, that captured um, with with Death Studios, there, you know, he he did the perfect eyes and made the mask scary as hell. And then I I sat around and I ordered his videotape, how to make masks the Death Studios way. And that was going to be my next book. question, actually. So you already oh, sure. you already took one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I found that video and I I bought I bought it from him. And um, the the video is very intimidating if you ever watched it. Um, it had. He spends literally 25, 30 minutes mixing plaster. And you go, if that's what it's going to take, you know, a half hour just to mix up plaster. How much time does this guy have in his day? And and then you see everything from the sculptures, from, you know, even his little bit of designing to casting and painting and putting hair on masks and that kind of thing. And I sat back, and I, I had studied some uh, ceramics and sculpting, that kind of thing, in high school. And I said, I could possibly, this, this is something I could do. And I sat around and talked to my wife about it. And uh, <coughs> she wasn't my wife yet, and we were talking about it. And I said, I want to start this company up and make some really cool masks. And this is probably end of 94. Right. So, um. I, I started sculpting a little bit, and I was working with a lot of latex and this kind of thing. And then from there, it ended up going to, you know, my my brother loaned he loaned me a hundred dollars to buy a uh, an armature and some clay for monster makers. And from that time on, it just it went crazy. I mean, this oil based clay that they had, 
they must have mixed. And Arnold Goldman's a great guy too. So he's yeah, I've talked to him several times. He's he's a real cool dude. Such a such a wonderful man. And I I'll have to tell you what he said to me um, in a few minutes because it's it's probably the greatest compliment anybody ever gave me. Uh, but he he must have mixed motor oil with that clay because it was almost a, a dark, super dark gray. And it smelled like oil. And I had warts on my hands from, you know, just from being a kid and, you know, whatever. And that that oil and that uh, clay, it killed off every wart that was on my hands. Because I would sculpt every day. And I just wanted to be as good as Jeff Death. You know, it was my goal. I didn't want to become his competition. I wanted to be as good. And I, I actually, my dream as a mask maker at that time was Jeff used to have these ads in the back of Playboy every October. And uh, my goal was to have one of my pieces in the back of Playboy with you Jeff Death. You probably did, just a different piece. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I read the article. Exactly. I read the article. So, but so, I ended up, so, so what you're saying happened. is, so what you're saying is you put your piece in the article? Is that, is that what you're saying? Oh, I put my piece in there, yes. yes. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm oh, but Oh, no, I'm kidding. It's only about that. No, my <laughs> wife will say it's that long. Nah, but you quit, know, how they would go fishing. It was that big. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Quit, quit line. It's a, it's a mandingo. It's all good. Yeah, it's right there. That's the bottom. I'm white and I'm pathetic. So, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, you, you, you got all your warts taken off by, uh, by Arnold Gold. My monster makes play. Yeah, and then now your 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 goal is to get your piece into Playboy. Then what? And my goal was to to get my piece, get my get one of my my creations put in the Death Studios ad in Playboy one year, and it ended up happening. I think it ended up happening mm, probably the year two thousand two thousand one. Okay, it was the last couple of years they did it that they that they ran an article and. Uh, ran the uh, the little ad in the back. Uh, one of my scarecrows got put in there, and you know, of course, you know, my, one of my pieces of work are in Playboy. But then my goal was I wanted to make a really cool company that was as good as Death Studios. And um, really, uh, there were a couple guys that were that were um instrumental in getting me there. Pete Infelice, who owned Devil's Workshop, he uh, he became a good friend of mine. And between Pete Infelice and Jeff Death, and then later on, Jeremy Bohr, those guys were, like, real important to getting to where I where I am today, even. Um, it was... I sat and talked to my wife, and I think it was... We didn't actually have a Dark Side Studio name until I would say it was probably 95, late 95. And I was sitting there talking to my wife, and I said, there's a reason, there's something, I want to name this company something cool. And I want it to be like kind of a dark side of myself. And I said, I think a dark side studio. And my wife was saying, you know, that's exactly the same thing I was thinking. So here we are, the two of us, we're thinking on the same level, which never happened in 29 years. That's not a good thing. So we ended up being, uh, 
you know, and I ended up naming it Dark Side Studio. There was a company called Dark Studios owned by uh, Harry Inman um, from back in, God, it had to be the 80s even. Yeah, I haven't heard and, that name in a long time. Oh, yeah. Harry Inman's been long gone, probably uh, five, eight years maybe. He's been dead. Yeah. Harry, Harry, I talked to him a couple times. He's a very nice guy to me. That was before there was a Dark Side Studio. And I understand he was not happy that I, I kind of twisted his company name and put my little, for the lack of it, side into it. Here's and, here's here's what I have to say to any of that is, uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional, copying is the biggest form of flattery that there is out there. He amen. Should, he should have thanked you for looking up to him, directly or inter- or or indirectly. It was Harry, and then even Death Studios. I I I looked at his business model, and I wanted to be as good, if not even better, as a business model that that, that Jeff had. Just because I, I mean, I, I I would go out and visit Jeff, and I'd watch him sculpt, and I'd watch him paint, and you know, I I was like, I can do all this. This is not a big deal. I mean, I, and then you know. See, there, there's certain things when it comes down to running a mask company. Either you can be a good artist and a horrible businessman, or you can be a good businessman and a horrible artist. And I I know of a lot of artists and companies that, that um, are both of those. Mm-hmm. To balance the two, I'm not a great sculptor. I'm not, I admit it. I'm a decent sculptor. I'm not a great sculptor. Um, I can't sculpt like Jeremy Bohr. Um And I can't paint like um, Jim Lawrence, who is one of the best painters I've ever seen in my life. And you might know Jim Lawrence from uh, Morris Costumes. Yep. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Um, but that guy can paint. I mean, he, he can paint like, like I can dance. And I can't dance. <laughs> but all honesty, um, that my goal really was to become as good of an artist as I was a businessman. And as long as you kept your reputation good and you kept a, a great reputation, which I've caught, I've kept it for 24, 23 and a half, 24 years now. You don't hear a lot of bad things about me. Maybe that you keep to yourself like and you keep. And you keep your your stuff out of the Myers game, which probably helps you a lot. I, I only dabble in a little bit, you know. The the Loomis, I'll dabble in. I won't touch the, uh, you know, the old Mikey thing. So yeah, you start getting into that stuff, man. Uh, as you well know from me, well, well documented, man. You and, and plus with uh, you know, and, and we'll cover him, but uh, Gary as well. I mean, Gary created oh, his own you. problems, but. You start dabbling in the white mask stuff, man. You got you got people from all over coming after you, and it's just it's it's a nightmare. You know what I, I equate the uh, the Myers people with um, current um, politics. So <laughs> yeah, it it makes sense because yeah. there are fans of the Donald, and there are people that totally hate him, and then there are people that that are in the middle. You know, and there's they're, they they weigh all over the place. Um, some people say that Donald Trump is the best thing that ever happened to this country. Some people say the opposite. Um, Michael Myers is the same thing. You could put out the greatest 
Michael Myers mask, and these guys will pick it to death. Yep. They will pick it to death. And and, and also the, the politics of, of uh, who's popular. You know about that. You know, the popularity game. There's some yeah. guys that could put out a, 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 a blob of shit and call it um, Michael Myers, and it would be um, looked at as, as a piece of gold. Oh, but yeah. we won't even say those people's names. Oh, I already have. I already caught a lot of heat from uh, some of my... Oh, I know you did. Yeah. I've listened. Yeah. It's okay. I don't give a shit, to be honest with you. I, I try to be diplomatic. See, I'm not afraid to face these people because I just don't care. You know, people all know me. I'm I'm a really good guy. Just don't piss me off. Yep. You know, I see these people once a year, every couple of years at Mask Fest and this kind of thing. And that's cool. I mean, I, I don't have any bad blood with just about anybody. Um. It doesn't help, you know. There's so many better things to do in this life than to have a war with someone, you know. I don't have enough time in my day for that. Yeah, no, I I stopped having a war. I just started speaking my mind. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Our parents made a living of it. Yeah. Um, so going back, I mean, I, there's a couple things that you said that were very uh, – Kevin, by the way, do you have anything that you want to add before I go on to this? Kevin, come on. Well, if you guys keep going trucking. All right, man. Yeah, you just. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna listen. And, I'm gonna listen and learn for a moment. <laughs> you know, when when you say that you uh, got all this kind of going in '84, '85, you know, with Dom Post, and then Je- then you discovered Jeff Jeff Death. I, I guess I can kind of put from what you said. You know, like uh, he had articles going in in magazines and stuff. Is that kind of how you discovered him? Because there was no internet back then. That and Fangoria magazine, because they always had an ad in Fangoria. Now, so I, let's let's put into perspective for those that collect a lot of stuff now. I mean, now there's a process, and there's so many different ways to get in touch with people, to order things, to to get things, ways to file for, you know, PayPal claims if you don't get your shit or whatever in, in a good amount of time. But let me ask this question. What was the ordering process like to order out of the back of those magazines back then? Let's let's give let's give the millennials a little education to the late eighties, early nineties. Um, a lot of people don't know what this is nowadays. The snail mail thing. That was the only way you were getting a hold of certain people. No shit. You, you wrote them a letter. Oh. You put a stamp on that and that baby, and you send it on its way, and you hope for the best. Uh, Jeff Death would have a catalog. You could send him whatever it was, twenty uh, two two and a half dollars or something, and he'd send you a catalog. Wow! Uh, there were everybody, Harry Inman to um, Chuck Jarman, same thing. You send him two bucks. They'd send you some of some guys had video catalogs. I just ran into some old video catalogs that I had from from. Um, from Henry, and I found some video catalogs from Chuck Jarman. So wow. that 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 goes back to those days where you you, oh my goodness, it was those were crazy days. And then you had to hope for the best. There were times where I sent two dollars in an envelope, and I didn't receive anything back. You know, you just you you hope for the best. And a lot of the good guys, there were a lot of good guys out there back then. Did you send it to anything that, you know, was promising some sort of a gold rush that you sent that $2 to? Um, not really. Um, <laughs> there, there were a couple guys. There's actually a guy, 
um, oh, this guy David, um, I want to say, Ares, I want to say his name is. He's in California, and he had a booklet, How to Make Masks. And I, I don't think I ever sent him the money for it because I didn't, I didn't, you know, if you had pictures in the back of Fango or you had pictures, then you could see what kind of work people did. Uh, I actually, believe it or not, I sent uh, um, away for Sean Clark's, uh, his his small 75. Yeah. I have I that picture still today. You have to share uh, that with me. I have to. I got to dig it up. I, I got it in my office here. And that little picture, there are two masks in the picture. And uh, he took that picture, and um, yeah, there was a little TV in the background, this kind of thing. And, you know, everybody wanted that, that Grail piece, that, that Michael Myers piece. And um, and I think he was selling those at like 100 bucks, and, I mean, they were no bigger than a softball. I oh, I know. Right. I have one. I, I, I uh I got mine from Gary Phillips, and I don't know if you sold, uh, I don't know if you sold Gary that copy that you had. Or... <laughs> I think I gave it to him. Well, there you go, and that's how yeah. the U- that's how the UL seventy five was born because he enlarged it, and made go. it old. So, uh, you, you know what was um, I, there were there were little bugs in the casting. Yep, and I didn't know what they were. I didn't know if they were gnats or. I mean, it, it happens. You know, when you're working and you get all kinds of vermin, if you will, these little bugs and flies and whatever, uh, but. Those things happen with when you're casting latex, but uh, he, I think I, I broke uh, Sean Clark's chops a little bit about it once or twice, and he wasn't too happy with me. But I've since, you know, I get along with Sean. I I see him at the shows now and then, and I say hi to him every year. But that's it. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, that's that's where the UL seventy five came from, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I yeah I, I still have that casting. I actually did uh, had someone do a 3D print uh, of it. The 3D print came out like uh, absolute dog shit, and uh, <laughs> I I took uh, I took the UL 75. Obviously, I don't know if you've been paying attention to anything I've been doing, but I took the UL 75, kind of fixed it up, and uh, made a new mold and made a new mask out of it. I have I, I pay attention to you, Chris. Since you did that warlock and you painted that warlock for me, I uh, I, uh, I reached out to your uh, your buddy there. What's his name? JC. Uh, yeah. I follow you a little more than you think. Yeah. Uh, I reached out to him and he was he shot me some crazy number to repaint that thing. Did he really? And, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you care? Do you care the share of the figure? It was uh, upwards of three hundred. It had to be. And was there? I paint masks every day. You're not going to tell me that. You're not going to. Yeah, three hundred, and then uh, was there a thirty year wait? Oh, he, he said he couldn't even touch it for a year. Okay. You're so, lucky because it's up to three years now. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Oh yeah, three years and three hundred dollars for a conversion is last I was told. I mind. Uh, you know what? One hundred and fifty dollars for some eye cuts. Great. Well, Chris, Chris did a better job than I could have ever imagined uh, any any other person to do it. So, well, you know, I, I don't know JC. I don't care. Yeah, uh, I I do. He's uh, he's created a lot of the drama that I that I've been in, and uh, I you know I got no problems admitting that. I tried to be the dude's friend, and there's only so much that you can do. 
to try and get along with somebody, and before you just gotta say fuck it, I'm I'm moving on. And uh, if you wanna if you wanna continue slinging pot shots behind the scenes, be prepared because I'm gonna start throwing haymakers back at you. And when I start doing that, you're gonna wish that uh, that that never happened. And I'm that's not. Go ahead. You can, uh, you can take them on the barber shop and give them the old sweet chin. Don't tempt me. I've, 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 uh, I've actually envisioned that a few times with a few different people, and just not uh, throwing them through a, a plate glass window, throwing them through a fucking windshield. Anyway, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not angry or anything. I know Chris is a huge Sean fan, right? Well, you you know, you ever see uh, that? I I was I saw that like kind of creeping below the 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 sleeve yeah. there, and I'm like that kind of reminds me of an HBK tattoo, and then yeah, sure enough, I uh, I met him and I showed it to him, and he he kind of scratched it, and he goes, "Is that real?" He goes, "You guys are crazy, man." Yeah, he's a he's oh a cool. God. He's a cool dude, man. I, I I waited 25 years to meet the man, and uh, I went to his book signing, and uh, his publicist or whoever there, his manager, was just shuffling people through like cattle. And I got up there, and I and for 25 years, I had all these envisions about what I was going to say to him when I finally met him. And when I finally met him, it wasn't even about me. It, it wasn't at all. And I just said, because I was still wrecked because I just got the news that we were going to go in for a second surgery with my son. And uh, I said, listen, I, I, I know that, you, that you're part of a big con- congregation in, uh, in San Antonio. And I, I know that you're a dad. So if I could have a quick minute instead of being pushed out of here by your manager, uh, I never knew what I was going to say to you when I met you. And I thought this was going to be a dream come true. And now all, all I want to do is I just want to call – as much prayer as I can for uh, my son's surgery. And he stopped, put his pen down and looked at me and uh, he, he had tears in his eyes and he goes, what's your son's name? And so I told him Jacob. And then after that, he's like, what's going on with him? And then his manager comes over and tries to interrupt. He goes, he kind of put his hand up, like back up. This is real here. And so we were talking, <laughs> so we were talking and he just was like, I'm really sorry to hear that. That is, you know, in his Sean voice, I'm really sorry to hear that. That is very tough to go through. And I could not imagine what you're going through. And then uh, at that moment, uh, I said, well, if you could, you know, if you could send some prayers up for me. And he had some tears in in his eyes. And he goes, you know what? I absolutely will. And uh, thank you for sharing that with me. And um, I I hope and pray for the best. So that that was my Shawn Michaels experience. Awesome. Awesome! Yeah. I love that story. I've heard you tell it before. Yeah, he's. I love it. He was a great dude, and 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 uh, meeting Hulk was uh, was something I had I didn't even know was going to happen. Then it happened, and uh, it's when he had, he he and his ex wife had a restaurant over in Clearwater um, yep. called the French Hen, and uh, I remember this is back when he and Bubba the Love Sponge were really good friends. Before I guess they were doing wife swapping. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, him, uh, Brutus, uh, B. Brian Blair, um, I, thank God Nobbs wasn't there. Otherwise I probably couldn't have put up with that. But, uh, my, one of my best buddies and, uh, at the time my girlfriend and, uh, we went in and, um, she had kind of arranged this whole dinner thing and we're sitting there. I didn't even know 
what the restaurant was. I was like, okay, it's quaint little French place, you know? And then before we know it, I hear this deep voice from the other room, and I just happen to perk up like, my God, that sounds like Hulk. And then at that moment, his ex-wife had walked in, and I knew who she was, and I looked, and I was like, holy shit, that's, that's Linda Hogan. And she waved to us, and uh, she walked back out, and when I turned back around, all my Hulk Hogan memorabilia was up on the table, like my Hulkamania shirt from 87, my, yeah. uh, my, my dumbbell set from when I was five, uh, my... My uh, my Hogan posters. I even had the Hogan postcard from when Earthquake uh, squashed him in '90, and all the kids yep. rode in and got the bracelet and all that. I had all that stuff, and so I had the 18-inch tall Hogan figure up on the table. And next thing I know, I, my jaw's hitting the floor because here comes Hogan into the room, looks at the table, and goes, "Oh, hey, hey, that that dude has hair. You know what happened? You know." And I'm sitting there just staring, and he goes, where'd you get that thing, dude? You know, and I'm sitting there just staring like, holy shit, my, my childhood hero just walked in the room. And I, I couldn't speak. And yep. uh, he goes, hey, why don't you, why don't you get, up, get up and come on over here and grab a beer or something. Come, come on over. And I'm just sitting there not doing anything. And my girl gets up, walks over, grabs me underneath the arms and starts trying to pick me up and, like, get the fuck up you know he wants to he wants to talk to you so he goes you know what i'm gonna head on over there so he walked around the table walked over to us and he and i sat and talked for probably 45 minutes bought our dinner uh which is his restaurant so he can bite if he wants to bought us beers uh i got to hear all about this was a couple months before the nwo was coming into wwe and uh you know he was telling me all about like you know what was going to happen at mania how it was going to be him and rock and you know, and then uh, he and Vince are going to try to set up some sort of a program. But we sat there and we we talked, we hung out, and I remember walking away saying, "Man, if I could meet every celebrity that is as cool as that, that right there is the model to live by." Right there, when you're talking to fans, I mean, he truly appreciated people that appreciated him, for sure. You know, that was a case, a rare case where you say you meet your heroes, and they don't let you down. That was the case, he, especially when I met him. Yeah, he was. When I met him, it was the same, the same thing, and it was, and it was a quick thing. We were in it, trying getting in and out, but when you saw him walk through the lobby, and we were at some bar, and you know, it was because it was an appearance for his. You know, I'll never see Superman. You know, Christopher Reeve in the in the blue and red suit walk by me and shake everybody's hand. And, I mean, he was fake. Superman was fake. This was Hulk Hogan. And he walked by me in that red and, you know, in the red shirt and the, and the bandana and the sunglasses. And I saw him walk by me. And I, I didn't turn into a little kid. I turned into a Hulkamaniac. Yeah. All over again. I mean, I, I every day from watching him slam Andre to fight Nikolai to, you know, Getting upset the day he lost the title. I, I was talking to my girlfriend, and some girl that I was talking to, and I cried on the phone that night he lost the title in the main event. Yeah. The, you know. the, the twin referee deal. Yeah, and I mean, that was that was meeting Hulk Hogan. And when I, when I, um, <clears throat> no, I guess we're talking about it now. Um, we went to the appearance, and 
finally we're standing in line we're getting ready to go into the room and jimmy hart's standing there talking to everybody and you know he's signing autographs you could buy an autograph from him beforehand he wasn't he wasn't paying he hadn't paid anything he was signing autographs taking pictures with everybody and this guy looked at me and he goes you're next come on man and we walked in the room and there's hulk standing there and you know i ordered i bought two pictures one for just me and then one with uh, me and my son and who's named jacob also awesome yeah, see? Actually, you know what's funny is your son looks just like my grandson. No swear. Kidding. Really? I have to show you a picture. Looks yes, just please. like right. Uh, but there's Hogan standing there, and he's talking to somebody, and the guy goes, you're up next. When he's done talking, you're up next. And I walked up, and I shook his hand, and I'm like, Hulkster. And he's like, hey, brother, and he, you know, he's monster hand. And I put my hand in this giant monster hand, and, and I said, can we do a face-to-face? And he's like, and this was what two weeks after he was face to face with Austin at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, and he goes, uh, "Come on, brother, let's go." And I got, if you look at the photograph on all my Facebook posts and all that garbage, um, I got, you know, we're face to face, and he, because I'm much shorter than he is, and I, I'm standing there and I'm trying to look mean, and he's got this pissed look on his face, you know, and. I realize I'm standing in front of Hulk Hogan, and the smile kind of perked up. And I got this little smirk on my face. And um, then it was time, you know, for my, you know, they snapped the picture, and they're going to take the picture with my son. And Hogan, you know, he, he poses. And I'm like, shit, I'm never going to get to pose next to Hulk Hogan again, you know, and I double bicep pose. And there's a picture of it on my on my Facebook page, but... I get out of the room and I'm standing there waiting for my buddy with his kids and I'm standing at this this bar table and I realize I just met Hulk Hogan and my buddy walked up and he goes, you okay, man? And I got tears streaming down my face and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, dude, you're crying, man. <laughs> Sorry, I just met my, you know, I, I like I said, I you will never ever get to meet Superman, or you'll never get to meet Batman, the actual superhero. But that day, I got to meet Hulk Hogan. So that was that was the highlight of my honestly. Next to my children being born, not so much my marriage day. Oh, yeah, we won't. But, we won't. Yeah. We, we won't. Uh, we won't play this for her. She can listen to it anyway. All right. Uh, you know what? That was that was a highlight to my life. It really was. It was a true highlight to my life, and. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I always comment on his pictures and that kind of thing on Facebook. And, you know, I always see him liking it and this kind of thing. It's just, it's kind of neat. But someday I'll meet him again. One more time. But I'll, I, I swear to God, I, I swear on this and then we can change off for Hulk Hogan. Sure. If WWE, if they don't bring him back and he does, if he dies... I will reach over and shut WWE off. I will shut it off and I'll never turn it back on. Because you know what they'll do for the next that next weekend or that Raw and they'll do this huge oh, tribute. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. But if they don't bring him back before he dies and you know, I'll let I'll go watch their tribute show and this kind of thing. But from that day on after that I'm shutting it off and I'll never watch I'll never watch WWE again. I, I... swear. I got so pissed off. I got so pissed off watching the Raw 25 when 
China had been trying to make amends with the WWE for years. And all Triple H and, Ch- and Stephanie McMahon and the entire WWE could do was shun her and shit on her any chance that they got because, what, she did, quote, adult films. You know what? You fucked the boss's daughter. And I'm sorry to use profanity here, uh, but, you know, we're an uncensored show. So, you know, but you went and fucked the boss's daughter behind her back, cheated on her, and then, because of that affair, ended up getting her fired... And then she went into a downward spiral for years after that because it crushed her and wrecked her. Now she's out trying to make a living. What big fucking difference is it to you what she did with her life to make money? Who cares? So my point is, then she passes away. She went to the WWE headquarters to try and make amends. They wouldn't even let her in the building. And then she passes away a year later, and now all of a sudden, all Stephanie and Triple H and everybody can do is talk about how great she was. And then they're bringing her up on the Royal Rumble, and I about threw up. And then um, Triple H is, you know, talking about her when the DX uh, thing came out there. And I'm just like, this is great that you're acknowledging this now, but it would have been it it sucks now that you're doing it. It took her to die for you to do it. You couldn't have done this when she was trying to turn her life around and she was asking for help and she was trying to be back in your good graces and you did nothing to extend to accept the olive branch that she tried to extend many times. Horrible. Well, and then you can go into the, the thing with Hogan. Didn't Vince, when he greeted... John Cena, he said, how, you know, and I'm not going to say it, but, you know, hey, my yep. N-word. Yep. And uh, that's when Booker T was like, he didn't just say that. So, yep. you know, don't Yeah, don't yeah but it. that was part of his storyline. But you know what? I'm sorry. And if this offends anybody, who cares? You know, I, it wouldn't be the first time I said something that offends somebody. Hulk Hogan's not the first person to say that word. Nope. You know, and you know what? I'm not condoning anything that was said uh, racially, and I get it. They're a public-traded company. I get all that. But at the same time, the man was filmed and recorded without his permission, and it was used in order to tear him down because he was about to sue the shit out of that company for releasing that information, and it ended up costing him his job. Now, how many times over the last several years has the man had to basically do, uh, get on his knees, beg, plead, and kiss their ass and apologize for everything? And most of the people that worked with him over the years that were of the race that he supposedly offended has says, you know, I know Hulk's not a racist. He yep. said he said some crazy things during a very difficult time. I got no problems with Hulk. You know, uh, Booker T's come out and said it. Um, Kofi Kingston and uh, the New Day guys. And, you know, everybody is totally fine with Hulk. So if everybody's fine with it, then why is it such a bad publicity thing to bring him back? 
Hey, you know what? I, I still got my fingers crossed every WrestleMania. Still got my fingers crossed. Yeah, me too. Me too. Once you see a grown man cry, they play that music. And he comes walking down that ramp, you'll see a grown man cry. I know, I'm a big baby. It's okay. Yeah, well, um, I want to tell you one more story because it's actually a funny one. Um, is I went, I flew to D.C. to watch Hogan Michaels at SummerSlam 05. I'm like, my two heroes. Did you really? Yep. And that was back in the days, man, when I was, uh, you know, the term Hellraiser was uh, probably loose. I mean, I partied a lot back then. And I remember getting so skunk drunk uh, going into the building. By that match, I was almost like HBK in 2001, just drooling all over myself. It was that bad. But uh, I remember when he jobbed, we walked to um, the Marriott where they were staying like three blocks away, downtown D.C. at 11.30 at night. I'm walking with the WWE Championship winged eagle belt on my shoulder and my cut-off Shawn Michaels shirt, and I'm just cutting a promo on anybody that would listen because I was pissed off that Shawn lost. You know, yep. That was one time I was against Hogan. So That's all right. we get to the hotel – we're in the lobby. Shane Helms, uh, Eddie Guerrero was there. It was two months before he died. And uh, Ray Mysterio was there. Uh, Ric Flair was there. Ric Flair was a POS. And, uh, <laughs> I've heard that. He, uh, a little kid, 10 years old, went up, had the robe on. I mean, 10-year-old kid. And Ric Flair said to the 10-year-old kid, get the fuck away from me. I'm busy over here. And then walked out with an 18-year-old chick in the limousine. But... Hulk and um, his son Nick walked in. Nick was still, you know, they were still they were doing Hogan knows best at the time, but it was just Hulk and Nick and um, my buddy, um, which you probably uh, know him from the MMP days, Joe Pizzello, straight up evil. I do. He was. I do. He, was, he was with me. He was wearing an anti Hulkamania shirt. I'm wearing the, I'm wearing the HBK shirt and Hulk looks over at Joe and looks at him and goes, hey, brother, what's up with that shirt? And then Joe's like, it's all about the heartbreak kid, biatch. And then, you know, because he was drunk too. And then all of a sudden I start cutting a promo and full on HBK I go, what you going to do, brother, when the heartbreak kid shouldn't have laid down for you? You know, and he started laughing. He goes, that's pretty good, brother. That's, that's all right. And then so we started talking. About that, about that time at the French Hen, and he surprisingly remembered it. He recalled it. He goes, "Hey, didn't I, didn't I buy you and your girl and your buddy like dinner and a beer?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "But you still want to come up here and you want to cut a promo on me wearing that shirt after I was nice to you?" <laughs> so yeah, good, good, uh, good Hulk stories for sure. I'll, I'll, I'm going to share you a little story, and then we'll get back to mask making. Sure. Um. We went and hung out at the Rosemont Horizon watching wrestling one night. And this was literally um, right after the um, King of the Ring where Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Uh-huh. So Austin, he doesn't even have the, the goatee isn't complete. Right. So we're hanging out at the bar. There's a, there's a Clarion Hotel that was right next to the Horizon. And we're hanging out in that bar. And all the, you know, all the wrestlers are piling in. We're hanging out, you know. There's Triple H. There's 
there's Henry Henry Godwin, there's Farouk, you know, everybody's walking in, and uh, Austin's sitting there by himself, and I I was a fan of Austin's when he was stunning Steve. Oh yeah, me too. Well, oh my God, I you know I've been a fan of his since stunning Steve, and you know I always thought he had these big ass arms, huge legs, and he had the flattest chest you ever saw. Yep. You ever go back and watch that? You can you can see that, and I. Not that I was judging a guy's body. I, I've been into working out for since I was 14. So I, I made a comment. I'm like, his chest is flat. But getting to Austin, I'm, he's sitting there, and he's holding two Amaretto Stone Sours in each hand by himself. Amaretto Stone Sour, right? And uh, I walked up to him, and I said, uh, Mr. Austin, I've been a big fan of yours since Stunning Steve and WCW. And he kind of looking at me funny, and, and he's like, yeah. And I go, uh. I just want to know if you get, you know, I get a picture with you real fast. And he goes, uh, you got to promise me one thing. He goes, I'm not kidding. The moment that that flash bulb goes, you're going to get your ass away from me. <laughs> and I go, okay. I said, all right. And I kind of, you know, I'm kind of, because I was standing up and he's sitting down. He stands up. And I got this picture still. He kind of leans in on me and click and he does this thing to me and he kind of he looks at me pissed and he goes what did i tell you because i told you get your ass away from me and i'm you know i'm kind of laughing and i walked away real fast and you know i i could you could feel him he was smiling you know and, and he goes thanks guys and that was that was you know meeting stone cold for the first time and he was super cool, such a nice guy, and he was talking to everybody. Me and my buddy, we went and ordered a bunch of pizzas. We literally ordered like eight, ten pizzas. And we put them all out on a table, and all the wrestlers are standing there watching. Like, what's all the guys with the pizzas? We're like, come on, guys, come on, come and eat. And they all came over, and they started eating with us. And Austin walks over, and he goes, you guys having a party or something? And I go, uh, this is for you guys. You know, this is the big thank you for you guys. Really? Yeah, thanks, man. And he takes some food, and, he, you know, he pats us both on the back, and he goes, man, you guys are cool. He goes, I buy you guys beer or something? Like, nah, man, nah, nah, just keep doing what you're doing. And that was Austin. Mick Foley was there. I mean, that was when he was in his mankind days. And Yeah. Uh, I, I I think the only wrestler I ever, ever didn't meet was maybe The Undertaker that, that uh, I really wanted to meet. So... But anyway, getting getting off of wrestling, we don't have to talk about wrestling anymore. Well, before, I mean, I, I took uh, audience questions, uh, which we had sure, a few, please. and uh, Chad Morphis wanted me to ask you when we got onto the wrestling talk, and this is as good a time as any, okay. is, and, this, and, and Kevin, you can answer this too, because he wanted this question to go to you as well, is if you had any tag team, that you could have been a part of at any era in wrestling, what team would you have joined, and why would it have been Billy and Chuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. So it's a legit question. You can answer. Um, I, I, I've drawn a blank. That's, that's really good. Chad, thank you. 100% demolition. You you like the you like the the whole uh, yeah you do I like leather and I like leather and spikes baby <laughs> yeah the, the no, Steiner brothers in their heyday 
in all honesty, for me, I would have to say Demolition. I mean, there's a lot of tag teams I like that just happens to be one that that was my favorite. They, I don't want to say they scared me, but the age I was when they came out, I never thought of them as a Legion of Doom ripoff. They were always their own thing to me. And that music hit, and them guys came out. I just That's probably my favorite tag team that if I was a wrestler, I'd want to be a part of. Plus, I always thought the guys with the face paint kicked ass. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. you still do. I do. But, um, Kara. I would have uh, joined the Outsiders, I think. Just because. Oh, yeah. Just because not only were they badasses, they were also cool as shit, and they partied a lot. And that was kind of my thing. I mean, I could have. Uh, I know when they showed up at the WCW Spring Breakout, you know, they showed up drunk as shit uh, in their Hawaiian shirts and everything because they stopped it uh, along the way at one of the beach shops and uh, got board shorts, Hawaiian shirts. They were wearing their fanny packs and their uh, their Birkenstocks, and you know, they grabbed uh, three eighteen packs of Miller Lights and started uh, downing them before the show. That was the Outsiders. Yeah, man. You know what? You go to the heyday of the Steiner brothers when they were in WCW. Oh, yeah. Um, nobody could touch the Steiners. I mean, but then again, you hear stories later on that there were teams. They they bullied everybody, but there was maybe maybe three, four guys they wouldn't even imagine, imagine ever bullying. That was Gordy and um, Dick Murdoch. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Williams and Terry Gordy. Oh yeah, they, you didn't see any Frankenstein'ers or any you know suplexes or any of that garbage when they were fighting them boys because they were and, afraid of them. And back then, man, they were stiff as shit. They were, and they I were think st- that's why I think that's why I would have joined the Steiners. I would have joined the Steiners because I was I was stiff when I was wrestling. I was real stiff. They didn't like me. <laughs> I really was. I I'd let you have it. So, and I used to hurt people. I, I ended up sending the one guy to the hospital. I put him in a bear hug. And he, this guy was built like a scarecrow. And I threw him into the ropes, and he comes off the ropes, and I put him in a bear hug. And I'm squeezing, and I feel this pop. And he goes, dude, you just broke my ribs. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I kind of let up a little bit on him, and I'm holding on to him. And I got him up off his feet, you know, and he's got his legs wrapped around me, and I'm just holding on to him. I'm squeezing. And he goes, don't squeeze anymore, man. Don't, don't, don't. And... I kind of give him a little, a little heave and he another pop, and he goes, you know, I, um, I was urinating blood. He talked to him, you know, a week later. He goes, I was urinating blood for a couple days there. Uh, you broke a couple of my ribs, and I'm like, ah, Larry, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. So, yeah, those were the days. Well, he was he was urinating blood because he uh, he hooked up with that hooker on 14th and MLK is what happened. If you met Larry, you, I, I would agree with you. <laughs> Larry, Larry looked like Howard Stern at the time. Yeah. That's that's quite the visual. <laughs> it, it, believe me, it's not good either. I'll have to uh, I'll have to share with you. There's a, uh, a an anniversary video for the LWF on um, on YouTube. Latino Wrestling and Federation. There's a shot of me, and it's quick. There's a shot of me. I have CM Punk's brother Mike over my head, and I'm holding him up, 
warrior style, and I walked him over to the side of the ring, and I just threw him out of the ring. Wow. Yeah. And at that time, I probably weighed, what, 180? And I was I was bigger than any of these guys. They were all scarecrows and skinny skinny guys, and even Funk was a skinny guy back then. So, speaking of him, man, do you do you think do you think he'll ever circle back around and get back in it? Uh, he will. He will yeah. someday. Uh, if if you knew if you knew Phil like I know Phil, I didn't know him really personally. I used to hang out with the group. Um, me and Phil didn't really you know interact much he didn't like me and i didn't need to give a shit about him he doesn't like many people from what i understand no no he, he <laughs> you know what um he was tag team partners with my cousin and there was cm punk and there was cm venom venom's kind of a even though he's blood kind of a meathead so i hope he watches this someday i don't care um but um punk wouldn't wrestle me because i i work too stiff so that's okay. I don't care. Uh, he'll come back around when there's. It comes down to money. It'll be around oh, the time the AJ come back. Well, look. I, I guess if uh, Double J can get into the Hall of Fame, uh, there's chances for CM Punk. Amen. Double I J. He has two more fights on his UFC contract, for what I understand. And you'll probably lose both of them. Yeah. Well, and CM Punk, Phil couldn't even spell UFC. That's the problem. <laughs> he can spell a- AJ Lee really well, though. Yeah, 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 he can. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only name he needs to know. Um, so back on mask making. Um, so let's, you know, 94, 95, you're going through, you know, starting to rise up through. At, like, at what point did you do your first sculpt, first mask, whatever, and realize... I got a real shot at, at, at achieving my goal. You know what? It was well into, I'd probably say, a couple of sculpts before I even thought I was even I was even going to be a, a a dent in any kind of mask business. Um, I did a, a devil called Dark Side. Hence, you know, it was the first Dark Side. I still have the mold on that thing. So, and there's there's only a couple copies out there of that thing. Um, I might bring one to Mask Fest, just for the hell of it. This is the first sculpture. I still have that mold. I might just do one. Um, but I think it was well into, say, 97, 98, when I started feeling that I could... I, I actually did a Michael Myers sculpt, which was horrible. I, I have it somewhere here, close by. But, um, I did it, and I called it the Dark Shape. And... It was horrible sculpture, just rotten. And I sold, I actually put a local ad on our local TC, TCI cable. It said oh, Halloween. Yeah, really? yeah. So we put in the, I, I put an ad up and I said, you can, Halloween masks, you can just come by and see them. And I used to live out on a, on a main highway and I put racks out in my front yard and sell these masks out of the front yard. And I made a lot of money on the weekends. I really did. And I'd leave my kids my my twin boys, they were they'd stand out in the front yard and they would they would watch the masks so nobody would go out and steal them. But I would have um, stupid alarm goes off. But uh, I would have, Paul. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I, think I owe you a dollar or something now. <laughs> if the alarm goes off again, I'll owe you too. All right. But I'll donate it to the uh, you know to your podcast and you know 
but that's that's how I started selling masks out of the front yard. And I had a guy, I would say in, say, 97, 98, he made me a website. Really bad, bad website. It was on Angel Fire. Oh, God, I remember that. There you go. Yeah. I still have the web address, too. It's, Do you I, really? I don't, it doesn't, I don't think there's anything on it, but it was uh, angelfire.com slash il slash darksidestudio slash index dot html you know what we're going to do what we're going to have to do just for you is we're going to have to come up with an angel fire logo on a shirt and on the back say the original dark side studio that's angel fire does even angel fire even exist anymore um I guess if AOL does, you know, uh, they, they, they definitely stand a chance. So I, I don't know. That's the first time I've heard that name in probably 11 years. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I, I don't know why. I Because I, I used to have to write it down all the time. That's why I think I remember it mostly. But I had the guy at work make me a website. And I, I was starting to get the mail order thing. And people would send me letters and want a copy of the catalog. And I, I didn't have a catalog. It was all online. And I would just say, you know, look at it online. People send me a check to order masks. Um, that's where, and this is, this is pre-HMA, because there were only a few guys out there, mask makers on the Internet. There was, in all honesty, there was Jeff Death and me. We were the only people on the Internet at the time. Yep. So there were no other mask makers online. Uh, Jeff Death used to be on what was that um, that thing where you could connect to the internet and you put it on your TV? What the hell was that? Web called? TV. Amen. Okay, I used to go to my friend's house and I used to go on their web TV just to look at Jeff's catalog, even though I had his catalogs all over. I just wanted to see it on the TV. Yeah. How stupid that was! It's different. I spent hours. Okay. Yeah. So you know. That and there were just Jeff and I, and then I then I ran into Jim Harville, who actually went along with Eric Austin, and the two of them created the HMA. So I was at the beginning of the HMA. I was part of that back talk. Um, yeah, it's still in existence. I get a I get a birthday message from him every year. Still, really? Yeah. What's the guy's name that that ran back talk? Was it wasn't it Boo Man or something? Was it? I, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. There was a guy, and it it, it wasn't Derek because Derek runs that other thing. But I don't know what uh, you're talking about. I yeah, I don't. I, maybe maybe that's not even the right name, right? Yeah, I think I think, think he I think he runs this. I think he runs AsianHookers.net. I go on that a lot. Yeah, I do yeah. There's a actually my wife. She she works for them so. Jesus Christ. Uh, She does all that pee for him. We don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Does she do do Skype sessions for for cash? Uh, No, no. She does it for food. Oh, okay. All right. If you send her a pizza puff, she'll do whatever you want. There's an inside joke there. One of my friends down the road, he'll, he, if he ever hears this, he'll, he'll probably be on the floor shitting his pants. There was, it was a pizza puff joke from 500 years ago. Um, but all honestly, that's I, I sold 
Jim Harville, one of my dark shapes. And then I got into, and this is where we can go into the whole Gary Phillips thing, too, unless you have any other questions we'll previously. Get there. We'll get there. But in all honesty, um, they came out with those 99s. And I got a hold of my buddy who had a, uh, a uh, wholesale license, and he bought 30, 40 copies of the 99 Shatner for me. Uh-huh. And I paid him. And I got this big box of masks in three days later. And I started converting them. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I had no idea. I had, you know, if you sprayed latex paint, especially Monster Maker's latex paint, on those castings, it was going to come right back off. Yes, it was. Yes. So we, I found that, I think it was fabric paint that started, that would stick to it. Now I've seen there's so many different other things that I that I could have used, you know, 25, 24 years ago. Um, I started converting them, and I was selling them at like one seventy five a copy or something. And I'm telling you, I sold those bastards out all within two weeks, and I ended up ordering another box full of them. And that's that's where I started seeing that I had some sort of. Uh, not so much the skill for it. I mean, there these guys that are that are like what you do, Chris. I I couldn't do you. You, you guys you guys do some amazing work with this Myers thing, and I I don't want to touch Myers. I, I got I got enough. I can't curse. I have enough problems. We need more. We need more guys like you in the hobby, Paul. That's that's the I, truth. You know, I am going to be the first to admit I'm a huge Halloween collector. I'm sure you've seen my pictures. But I get sick of seeing this shit. I even get sick of it. You know, and there's nothing more refreshing than logging on and seeing something different for a change. Even if it's something I don't personally collect, I still love to see it. And uh, it bothers me when people think of that group as a Michael Myers or a Jason group because it's not. That's just what I collect. But, yeah. We need more people like you to keep doing these uh, creations and working with guys, like you said, like Jeremy Bourne, all them guys, because they do amazing sculpts and uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You put the final touches on them, and that's what we need more of. You know, you go to Mask Fest and you see, you know, the variety of, of work that's being that's being made, and it's it's great. Now, I've gotten myself in the little niches in this business to where, like, you know, I know. There's the Michael Myers, there's the Jason stuff. Um, I got myself in a little niche of making these hoods, these Jason hoods. And I make some serious money off of them. I still do some original sculptures. I still do some original work. And I enjoy doing that. But, you know, sometimes you got to go where the cash is. And if I'm doing Jason hoods, I'm not really, you know, and I still sell some Jason stuff. Be honest with you, I don't even like Jason movies. If you want my honest opinion, I don't really care about them. I, 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 everybody called me the king of clown masks, too. That's because I used to be a professional clown. and I, I, I was about to ask about that. You can, but I, when I get back, I'll, I'll let you, I'll come back around on you. But what, I used to be the professional clown, and I hated Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Hated that movie. Bored the hell out of me. I thought it was stupid, it wasn't funny, it wasn't scary. It was just dumb. Now, as I've gotten more into it, I see the art that the Kyoto's did 
to getting to it was, and it's fun to watch now because I enjoy the art of it. Um, it's less to do with liking the the characters. I my if you ask me, my favorite horror movie, number one right off the bat. There's there's two right off the bat, and it comes down to Halloween and The Exorcist. No one can touch those films. No one can touch them. And they were simplistic. There's a couple other ones. You got to go with. You also got to throw Jaws in there. Jaws is. Oh, Jaws is. That's that. That's, that's just another, a whole different that, Yeah, that's. I, I'm the that's biggest Jaws fan. That was too realistic, and uh, it could have happened. You know, that's what makes it the Absolutely. most scary. And, and it still probably could happen today, for all we know. It happens uh, on Daytona Beach every year over here. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. It yeah. sure does. Well, I mean, we hear this, we hear that shit all the time of uh, people getting their fucking dicks bitten off in the uh, on a surf competition or something over here. We hear it all the time. See, I, I I'd like to watch just somebody eaten by a shark. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, because I'm sick. But Jaws, <laughs> I mean, you're right. You know what? There's a thing about Jaws, and I I, I think about this. It's very important, and it's a, a lesson about life too. You don't really need to see the threat to be actually afraid of it. And if you go and watch Jaws, you don't even see that shark until halfway through the movie. Right. You don't see it at all. And I think you see a, a side of it where where you see him underwater, where he, he grabs the guy in the little boat. Um, I have a book up in my, in my bathroom. It's all strictly, it's this big tabletop book of Jaws. And Jaws is the most, next to The Exorcist, it's the most important film when it comes down to, and it's even about life. I, I like a buildup about life, and that's that's what I'm what I'm what I'm getting at is it's like like I tell you I tell, I tell like I tell my wife. There's a buildup where you don't even need to see the. Uh, I think I just lost everything I was talking about because I lost my friggin' mind here. Um. I don't know. I, I just like the the buildup without seeing the threat, without seeing. I'm I'm totally dead here. That's all I'm right. Sorry. It, it it happened to me earlier, but uh, I it get did. what you're saying. So you know, without seeing the threat, basically, um, I think too much in horror films today. This is why I'm I'm a little nervous about the new Halloween coming out because, and I'm, I know that I know that they're trying to su- supposedly. Well, it's in tone with the original, but how many fucking sequels have they said? Oh, it's like the original. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, there's only one original 1978 film. But bottom line is, is everything desensitizes you to the violence and the over gore and the in your face stuff. And it's like, okay, I get it, you know, but still the things we as human beings are still the most afraid of is still what needs to be played out on screen. And is that is we are afraid of the unknown. We are afraid of what we don't see. Why don't they in films predicate on that more? Because I think things, especially horror films or slasher films uh, would probably do a lot better and be rejuvenated. If we didn't have things just shoved down our, in, in our face oh. all the time. I mean, I, you know, just going back to the remake of Halloween in just the first ten minutes. I know this is going to piss a lot of the Rob Zombie fans off, but I'm like, you know, that that opening kill when he killed the kid, uh, when he's like killed the bully after school. Sure. I'm like, okay, once, twice, three times. Okay, we get it. 
you're whacking them in the face, but we didn't have to see it 50 times on screen to get it. You know, yeah. we got it after the third shot. We got it. You know, move on. That movie was made strictly for cash. That's all it was. It was all about money. And, and it's okay. I, I get a kick out of Rob Zombie a little bit. A little you bit. know what other film had that same effect when I was younger? Was Don't Answer the Phone. Yeah, I I'd never seen that, that movie. Oh, man, that lady was downstairs, and the phone kept ringing, and then the cops called or told her that the calls were coming from inside the house, and that's when you realize that someone was upstairs in that house. Wow. And that movie always creeped me out when I was little, because I was born in 79, so when I first saw that movie, I was probably five or six years old, and it was just one of those movies that really bugged me out. Same thing with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. That one scares me a little more than the Halloweens and the Friday the 13th because it's just a little more real, just a little more believable. You know, he didn't think get about, shot a hundred times and come back. Yeah. He hit himself in the lake with the chainsaw, and he went down, and they got well, away. I mean, well, it was well also about think it was about, the, about the very opening when they said all this is kind of based on a true story, and it's like, that kind of sets the tone for it. I don't know about you, but I, I remember seeing that going, holy shit. You know, that's yep. that's that's freaky. Yes. Yes. All right. That's going to do it for part one with Paul Daniels. Marty, I need bracing cells for temporal displacement. Did we make it? Are we back? We're back. <laughs>